wonderful introduction. And um, it's good to be back um, to the lakeside, the family. I didn't realize it's been 25 times. That, that means that you're really patient with me to get it right. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, as I was thinking here, where is my, I'm looking for Janice. I know you're out here somewhere. Okay, there you are. All right, yes. That's my African queen, and uh, she goes with me everywhere. And we've been in ministry together with, uh, with crew for the last 43, 40, actually be 44 years. Uh, and uh, God is certainly faithful, and it's so good to be here. Amen. And so on behalf of uh, Crew Intercede, I want to thank Lakeside again for partnering with us and providing the resources. Last November, when we did our Boxes of Love, that's one of our main outreaches that we do with partner churches, about 50 churches, and uh, together we were able to reach about over 1,500 families, okay, with the gospel through Boxes of Love, where we... Uh, help our churches to demonstrate God's love because people don't care what you know until they know that you care. But then also they're trained in how to have gospel conversations to share Christ and those who respond able to begin to disciple them in the love of God. So thank you again, uh, Lakeside. You were all a part of that indeed last November. Amen. Um, and then... Um, just another real, real quick update, and whoever timing me, now this is not part of my message, so you can't start just yet. Right? Uh, but I just returned last week from what we call JAM Camp. Uh, JAM stands for Jesus, Athletics, and Manhood. And it's there where we take uh, these young men who are high school age, uh, men of our athletes on athletic teams, and we go down to Zeno, Ohio, where Athletes and Action Headquarters is, and for a whole week, we really challenge them with mentors and what it means to be a, not just a man, but particularly a man of God. And many of them uh, who come have very little, some um, connection with the church, but it's so great to see the power of the gospel to change lives and to see these young men at the end who surrender and worshiping Jesus and realize that when they compete, they're competing for an audience of one, and that's the Lord himself. Huh? And so, again, uh, thank you for, uh, for that as well. So now I'm going to, um, let me pray just real thanks again for the prayer. I just always, my practice has been before I talk to men and women about God, I need to talk to God. Okay, so let's, let's pray. Father, thank you indeed for um, this great opportunity again to stand here in this uh, pulpit where so many indeed have proclaimed and taught the word of God. Well, now I ask that you would give me your grace to allow me to proclaim uh, your word, not for any form, fashion, or fame, but unto the glory of God and to the good of your people. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, this morning, um, 
the title of my message is A More Awesome Way. A More Awesome Way. Looking at, uh, taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse uh, 31 through chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. And um, it's a very familiar passage. I know many of you have looked at this uh, many, many times. Uh, the, uh, the love chapter. And so, yes, we're going we to be talking a lot about love uh, this morning. <laughs> we need that. Amen. And depending upon um, your whatever version you have, you go to the, the next slide, I think. Yes, um, there uh, begin, I think this is from yeah, the New American Standard, so it may read this a little differently, but Paul says this, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a still more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. For love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking. Is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. A more awesome way. Now that summer's upon us, I know uh, many of you probably have maybe taken vacations or you're still planning your family vacation, and especially if you're driving, you try to decide which road to take. And for some of you, you may sit down, if you're old-fashioned, take out a map and actually uh, map out your way, or probably majority of you, you know, you take your cell phone and you Google to look to find what is, you know, the best route, the best route to take. But uh, whatever choice you make, Unless you're very unusual, you choose what you think is the best way. And you hold on to that, that conviction. This is the best way. Well, in our uh, chapter 12 this morning, as Paul is counseling the, uh, the church of Corinth about spiritual gifts, you know, they had some real challenges there. You know, Corinth, the church of Corinth is one of I guess you said the Apostle Paul's problem child. Maybe you were that way growing up in your family, that you was kind of like the one that really needed a lot of attention. Well, Corinth needed a lot of attention. There were divisions, uh, there were disorder, there were difficulties. And so as he's trying to help them understand, you know, the purpose of spiritual gifts uh, there, that he says, you know, and that's a much more awesome way how to use your gifts, your endowments that every believer has really for harmony, for not, not just for contentment, but more for harmony and to have a greater impact indeed for the kingdom. 
And so that's, uh, that's one way you can look at that, is that the idea of this is a more awesome way to exercise your spiritual gifts. In other words, Paul says, I not just want you to do church. I want you to be the church. Not just do church. When we do our different roles, yeah, that's good. The singing and the ushering and, and all of that, yeah, yes. But Paul said, I want you also to be the church. And so that's another way to look at this. Uh, is that, you know, we all are familiar with what we call designer clothes. They're known by the trademarks or designs. You know, if uh, you've probably heard the words Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Prada, Armani, Calvin Klein. Well, you know, uh, those are all trademarks that make them very visible and very identifiable. Well, you know what? God has also uh, a trademark for his people. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my followers. By what? Your love. Your love for one another. And so this message this morning also hope challenges you or remind you about how important this trademark is. Because we live in a society now where many times Christians, followers of Christ, we're known primarily for what we are against. And that's nothing wrong. We need to be against some things. But also, you mean, what are we for? Well, we're all about loving one another the way God has loved us. You know, the Bible's simplest description of God, found in 1 John 4, 16, is just simply this. God is love. Love is the most blessed manifestation of the character of God. It's not the only, but it's one of the most blessed ones. Matter of fact, John goes on in verse 16, he says, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And so I believe the simplest and most profound description of Christian character is love. By this, all men will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. So the question on the table this morning is, so what's so awesome about this way? What's so awesome, again, about this thing called love? Well, Lakeside, I love the way you ask questions, okay? <laughs> That's what we want to look at, indeed, uh, this morning. And we're going to look at basically four simple truths. One about love's prominence. Love's properties, love's power, and then love's permanence. Love's prominence, its properties, its power, and its permanence. Describes why it's so awesome. Beginning with love's prominence, meaning that it is incomparable. It excels above all others. In verse 31, again, of, of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I'll show you still a more excellent way. Earnestly desire the greater gifts. Now, when you read that initially, I mean, there's been some 
controversy or confusion over so why, what is Paul talking about? I mean, he's been arguing all the way in chapter 12 about really you should not be trying to go after gifts, particularly the sure gifts, the gifts that really stand out like, the, you know, the tongues and interpretation of tongues. And yet here he says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. Well, there's two ways you can look at this, this passage here. You know, that word uh, desire in the Greek uh, has the idea of, usually it's used as a negative connotation of being, of being jealous, of coveting. And um, the form of the word there, desire, in the Greek, it could even be an imperative, which is idea of a command or just indicative. He's stating a fact. I think Paul is really just stating a fact. You are desiring the greater gifts, the shorter gifts, the ones that make you look good. But let me show you a much better way. So that's one way you can look at it. Or, yes, he could be saying that you know, that you should desire the gifts that really edify rather than the lesser gift of tongues. But either way, I think Paul is trying to make the point, though, that it's not about you, it's about the body. It's about how you can be a blessing indeed to others. And so this love is prominent, one, yes, in its status. In its status. He says when he used the term, more excellent way, that word literally means the idea of something that is awesome, that is beyond measure, beyond all comparison. It is par excellence. In the words of uh, M.C. Hamler rapper, you can't touch this. <laughs> That's what Paul is saying. You know, you can't touch this. This is something that is tremendous. It is par excellence. It is above. It's awesome. And so love, it excels in its status as above any other particular virtue or gift you could ever have. And so even though not all members of the church have all the gifts, we can all pursue love because love is superior. To spiritual gifts and helping the body. And so it's prominent in its stats, but also it's, it's prominent in its significance. In its significance. That's why he reads, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, love was missing in Corinth. Spiritual gifts was present. For the most part, doctrine, right doctrine, but love was absent. And many times when you study church history, it seems that we do a great job on orthodoxy, on what we believe. The challenge has been in the orthopraxy and how we behave. Now we, yes, the idea of loving one another. And so Paul, I think, is arguing indeed that this love, by the way, when he's talking about love, he's not talking about the feeling you feel when you think you have a feeling that you never felt before, okay? That's not the love he's talking about here. He's talking about a self-giving love. It's a love that, as an act of your will, you seek 
to bless you, concern about the welfare of others. It's a sacrificial love. The word is agape. It's an unconditional love, indeed, that God has for us, indeed, that we show others. But many times, you know, the world loves like this, and we got to be careful. This little poem I heard about Paul's girl. It says, Paul's girl is rich and haughty. My girl is poor as clay. Paul's girl is young and pretty. My girl is like a bell of hay. Paul's girl is smart and clever. My girl is dumb but good. But would I trade my girl for Paul's? You bet your life I would. <laughs> That's how the world loves. It's all about what, you know, it's about me. That's not the kind of love that Paul's going to describe here, the awesome way. But he talks about indeed in its significance. And he uses uh, what we call in, 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 uh, in the Greek third-class conditional uh, clauses, that if-then, that if that, it's more probable in the future or hypothetical. And so he's going to list three hypothetical situations. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men, angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, meaning, you know, Paul says, I could have the greatest language skills, be the most greatest uh, rhetorical guy of any man or even angels, a language that is even above that of man. But he says, but if I don't have this agape love, I'm nothing but a noisy God. I mean, he says, there's no fruit. There's nothing that it really produces. There's no fruit. Or he says, if I have the gift of prophecy, and he says, no, not some mysteries, but all the mysteries. I could solve every case that ever come across, you know, what's that show, television, no mysteries. I could tell them all about that. I know all knowledge. If I had all faith, not some faith, to, re to remove mountains, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. So he says, there's no fame in that. And then he says, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and surrender my body to be burned, do not have love that profits me nothing. And there's no fortune, no fruit, no fame, no fortune. Love is the sugar in baking cakes and pies. It makes things so much sweeter. So the question then is, what is this thing called love? Well, that's where you get to love's properties. Just as love prominence, it excels in its status and significance. Love's properties, it acts. It's action. All of these words here are verbs in the original language. So the idea is that we do something, you can see it. And so he thinks several categories here. In relationship to the saints, first of all, it is patient, it is kind, it is not jealous. Love means the idea of patience. It is long-tempered, long-suffering. It's used primarily in context with people. God is patient with us, so we should be to one another. 
And every day, for the last 43 years of my marriage, I get a chance to practice patience. Even this morning, as I knew, I said, sweetheart, last night, okay, we need to leave about 9.45. Or they got, I think at 10.35, they meet to pray. And okay. And uh, something happened, and so we didn't get a chance to leave right at 9.45. And I'm so, oh, we're rushing. And so I get on the software freeway. I confess. It says speed limit 55, <laughs> but I wasn't being patient, okay. <laughs> then my lovely wife said, uh, you know, I think there's a speed trap up here somewhere, okay. Well, it was slow down. It's one of the most challenging virtues, I think, in terms of expressing love is being patient. It's being, having says, long-tempered. I like the way uh, I found this article here. It says the importance of patience in life. Patience is your ability to wait without becoming annoyed, upset, or angry. Hello? <laughs> you know, you're in the waiting room, and the doctor, and they told you the appointment was at 9 o'clock, and it's now 9.45, and you still haven't been called You've been patient, but something inside of you is boiling. That's not biblical patience. That's not biblical love. It says being impatient causes stress, and cunning stress has its effects on physical and well-being. Sometimes you find that, you know, the headaches, because maybe you're under stress because you're not practicing patience. And so uh, Paul says, one thing, it's like it's no coincidence that the first verb he uses is that love is patient. How's your patience this morning? Lakeside? How was it this week? Paul says, no matter how gifted you are, one of the first demonstrations of agape love is that you're patient with the other person. And then he goes on as uh, he says, this kindness that you know, just as patience will take almost anything from others, kindness will give anything to others, even to his enemies. You know, I have to be careful. You know, with social media, wow, that's just—it's almost like it's an open season of attack, whether it be what we tweet. What we do in Instagram, and we got to be careful we don't get caught up in that as believers. Huh? It's okay to disagree, yes, but still we're called to be kind. And so I was asking someone, you know, hypothetically, they'll go to your job, those you are still working or at school, and says, you know, how would you describe so-and-so? But they said, oh, he's kind, or she's kind. Or what they use other words would be just the opposite of that. I know this, not, this does not taste good right now, but it's good for you. So let the word of God indeed go down with you. Then he says jealousy. This is the first negative. He says love is 
is patient, is kind, then use a negative here. Love is not jealous or envious. Now, one form says, I want what someone else has. If they have a better car than I do, they may want it. If they are praised for something they do, we may want that. But a worse kind says, I wish they didn't have what they have. And that's the one that kind of is much more destructive indeed in nature. That's what happened, I believe, when Solomon, in the Old Testament, when he was one of the first uh, access king, when the two women came before him and they had lost a baby uh, that night and one uh, woman said, well, no, that's my child. No, 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 that was your child who died. And to find out who the real mother was, Solomon says, well, hey, okay, let's do this. Take the baby, split it in half. And the woman who was lying said, oh, yeah, go right ahead. But the real mother just cried and says, no, let her have it. And then that's when Solomon said, give her, that's the mom. You see, jealousy, that other lady did not want her to have it. And that is so destructive in our society. It shouldn't be a part, indeed, of, of the believer's life. And so that's one of the hardest battles a Christian must fight is against jealousy. There's always, beloved, someone who's a little better or who is potentially a little better than you are. There's always going to be that. We all face the temptation to jealousy when someone else does something better than we do. And in the flesh, you may wish them ill. Paul said, love. God's love is not jealous. And so that's in relationship indeed to how we, to the saints, how we relate to one another. Then relationship to self. Since it's not boastful, I mean, it doesn't brag. It's not about exalting ourselves over others. But it's about indeed encouraging indeed one another. You know, we live in what I call a DIY nation. Do it yourself. Self-made, unregulated, be who you want to be, find yourself. But that won't work in the Christian life. It's not a bit about self, it's about the Savior. Then he says you need not to be proud or to be arrogant or to be rude, which means be act unbecomingly. You know, many situations in life, oh, one of it says it never seeks its own way. Let me pause there for a moment. It never seeks its own way. You know, many situations in life calls upon Christians to choose between benefits to me as opposed to what's going to benefit someone else. The loving person puts the benefit of others over his or her own good. And one of the things that a hard lesson to learn is to let go. Wow. To let go. It takes love to let go. It means that to let go is not to cut myself off. It is the realization that I can't control another. To let go is not to enable, but to allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is to admit powerlessness, which means that the outcome is not in my hands. To let go is not always trying to fix everything, but to be supportive. 
To let go is not to be in the middle of trying to arrange another person's life out in all the outcomes, but to allow others, indeed, be part of their own destiny. To let go is not to be always so protective, but it's to permit another to face reality. To let go is not to deny, but to accept. And so when it comes even to relationship to yourself, how, you know, in terms of the self-centeredness, we all struggle. It's just natural. If I had a photographer come here today and take a picture of this beautiful congregation, and I give you a big 8 by 11 picture, let's be honest. Who's the first person you're going to look for in that picture? You, that's by, that's, we just tend to be self-centered by nature. But God's agape love is not about you. It's about the body. It's about one another. It's about others. Thirdly, Paul goes on and said, when it comes to, indeed, the relationship to sin, it's not irritable. Uh, it does not keep a record of wrongs. Now, I know at Lakeside, you don't do this, but where other folks, they do this. They have this thing where, you know, oh, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. I'm going to keep that record. But Paul says what? If I'm reading this right, it says, it keeps no record of wrongs. Does God keep record of our wrongs? He says, we said, we're saved. We're forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. So we cannot hold on to grudges, beloved. Because forgiveness is not keeping a record of wrong. And then in relation to situations in life, said so it never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. In other words, it says love bears all things, uh, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Another great property of love. The idea, indeed, that it bears all things has a thought of protection. It's like love puts up an umbrella for others and watches deed over them. Love always has an optimi- a certain optimism to it when it says believe it all things. doesn't mean that we just believe things just, for, just to believe. But it means that love does not regard people with suspicion. It believes the best. And so that's why we must keep reaching out to people. After all, that's what love is all about. I love to hear stories from my partner churches about boxes of love that they went to a home third or fourth, fifth year, and basically, yeah, they took the box of love, but I don't hear nothing about your Jesus. But they were faithful to continue to reach out to pray. And then I remember this uh, one gentleman in a, there in West Side Detroit, we got him working in his life, and he wanted to finally give the gospel presentation. His family committed his life to the Lord and joined, indeed, this church and became 
um, ardent supporter and worker in the outreach program. We must keep reaching out. Finally, love's power. It conquers. It says, love never fails. Love never fails. It means it, to fail, it means it's the idea that it never loses its authority or ceasing to have force. It's the same word when Jesus says, but it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of the letter of the law to fail in Acts, Luke 16, 17. You know, I love the movie Beauty and the Beast. I've seen it a number of times. You know, it's a story about this ugly dude, okay? You know, you know, right? The, the beast. He has a terrible voice, a terrible personality. He is nothing. He's a nobody. But then there's beauty. And you know the story. All the beast needed was somebody to love him. There are beasts still out there today. They just need somebody to love them. I mean, that's what you and I got. I'm not saying that anybody here is a beast, okay? Don't, don't, don't get me wrong there. No, no, no. I'm talking about but those that we have contact with, connection with. But sometimes we can act beastly, though, even in, um, even in church. But the idea that it's power, it never fails. The investment. You and I are here today because somebody loved you. They invested in you. That love is why you are here today. It never fails. That's the power of it. And so why do we need to do that indeed for others? Continue to invest by loving them, being patient, kind, not jealous. And then finally, I mean, well, it says love's permanence. It lasts. It lasts. Paul exhorts the Christian to pursue love even more than spiritual gifts because it would have the most value in the long run. It lasts. He says, where they are, prophets, they will cease. I mean, tongues will cease. But he says, but now embodied faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It lasts. So, beloved, let me come to a conclusion here because I know I was told I can preach as long as I want to, but at 12 o'clock, y'all going home. Okay, so. <laughs> um, conclusion. I just take an acrostic love. Apply it this way. L, listening when another is speaking. You can show love just by listening. And listening means not trying to seek to be understood, but to understand. So that, you know, one of the ways that they teach in marriage seminars is that how to listen, when you can repeat back to the other person, okay, is this what you said to their satisfaction? If not, okay, I need to, I need to listen some more. But I love it just simply, the idea of just listening when others are speaking, giving them your attention. Oh, overlooking petty faults. Not sin, but overlooking petty faults and forgiving all failures. Love covers a multitude of sins. James talks about that. Sometimes, you know, we get so upset because people won't do it our way. Well, that's okay. 
That's not a fault. You know, sometimes you just have to overlook that. Mm -hmm. For the greater good, the valuing other people for who they are. Valuing other people for who they are. Regardless, indeed, of their color, regardless of their, quote, economic status, regardless of that, they are created, they bear the imago Dei, the image of God. And to value them as someone who is precious in their sight. And then E, expressing love in a practical way. Think of some way practically how we can express that. Last you know, I ask myself, God, but why is this so difficult? Why is this such a challenge, this command of loving one another, when you says, uh, as I have loved you? You know, here I think one of the reasons why we're going back indeed to our sin nature and our self-centeredness. Remember when Jesus said in uh, Luke 9, 23 and 24, he says, if anybody desires to be my follower, he says, you let him deny himself. Take up the cross daily and follow after me. It takes surrender to the Lord to realize, admit, I cannot love like this. I just don't have it in myself. But you have the love because that's how you love me. So every day it has to be a commitment to surrender. Who's going to be on the throne of your life? Is it going to be Christ himself? But if you make that decision every day on a daily basis to deny self, deny my own self-autonomy, but let put Christ on the throne, let him fill you, empower you with his spirit, then he will give you that kind of love to be patient, kind, not to be jealous, not to be rude, not to act unbecomingly, not to seek its own, but to believe, to bear, to hope. This is what is needed. Because by this, all men would know that you are my disciples, by your love one for another. I'm going to ask the praise team, it would come up here. As we prepare to go and close in prayer. And maybe... You know, when I was studying this, this, uh, this lesson, it reminded me that, you know what? I'm still under construction. I have a ways to go. Maybe we're not as spiritually mature as we think we are when we look at this standard of how God measures spiritual growth. Yes, he gives gifts, gives us opportunity to do different ministries. But Paul says, boy, we're nothing if we're not loving the way God loves us. Let us pray. Father, I pray and thank you indeed for Lakeside Bible Chapel. I know their commitment to the Word of God. I know their commitment to the Great Commission. And so, God, I pray indeed now their commitment indeed to the Great Commandment, not only of loving you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love their neighbor as themselves, beginning right here. And so I pray that every person on the side of my voice who've heard this message, and even on the live stream, would know that the motive here for me is simply love, that we would excel still more 
that we would follow the more awesome way, that we won't just simply be satisfied with doing church, we want to be the church for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.